everybody. Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robert William Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III, with our... Sponsored by Porsche Motorcars North America. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> with our guest today, <laughs> Kelly Vaughn. How's it going, Kelly? Am I supposed to give you my full name as well? Or can I just stick with Kelly Vaughn? If you want. You can. It's very on brand to do so. Yeah. <laughs> My full name is Kelly Ann Vaughn. Nice, nice. It's really sure we added three letters, but, you know. <laughs> you know, still, it's part of the motif. Yeah. That's right. That's right. But hey, I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah. Well, Preston Sego the third was, uh, was another one that was fun. But uh, yeah, most people uh, don't have super long names with tons of thirds at the end. <laughs> it's true. No. I would tell you my mom's maiden name because it's really long, but yeah. then I'd be giving away part of my password. So yeah. Then you have to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that name. One, two, three. It's very, very secure. It's Hunter too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Well, Kelly, if you want to uh, tell everybody a little bit about yourself before we get started on the whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. So I am Kelly Vaughn. I have been a software engineer for most of my life been an engineering leader for less than most of my life. I'm currently an engineering manager at a video intelligence startup called Spot AI. Prior to this, I ran an agency for four and a half years and I co-founded a SaaS company and did that for like nine months and decided to join the quote unquote real working world <laughs> for uh, a minute to see what it's like to get a steady paycheck for the mm. first time in my life. So <laughs> here we are today. I'm still consulting on the side and recording podcasts and talking about my Porsche and drinking whiskey nice you should separate those activities usually but well maybe it's the driving of <laughs> the porsche point. and the whiskey yeah you could talk about it all the time <laughs> so robbie do you want to talk about today's whiskey i usually steal that thunder from you but sure we're all thrown off because you're doing it backwards but yeah today we have mm -hmm. the barrel craft spirits gray label dovetail 15 and we had tried the Dovetail Not Gray label before and really liked it. So we got this one thinking it could be even better, but we'll see. It is finished in rum, port, and Dunn Vineyards Cabernet barrels, distilled in Indiana, Tennessee, and Canada. And the whiskeys are aged up to 20 years, and it is 131.54 proof. That's what, are they all the same? Yes. Yeah, they are. Okay. Yeah, they are. Yeah, because I'm sure because it's a blend, they can kind of control the proofing and whatever else across multiple. Weren't they different before, though, when the not gray one? Or am I remembering wrong? It might be because it could be like different releases or something, too, because I think you called it Dovetail 15. I don't know if that's that has nothing to do with the age statement. So I'm guessing it's like our 15th release. I think it's the age statement, actually. I think it's like minimum of 15 years old. Mm, so 15 up to 20 years. That's interesting. Yeah doesn't exactly say it said that somewhere i think yeah well it does say it's a limited and rare release mm. whatever they want that it has a fancy cap yeah. that i am intimidated by yeah it's so i already <laughs> pre-opened my i should have thought of this beforehand yes i always pre-open because it could be on air snafus but there we go beautiful nice yeah oh this is kind of like metal and heavy and mm. nice it is yeah i'm impressed okay 
Although at this proof, I do kind of wish I had brought a little, like maybe some drops of water or something. I was just thinking that. Yeah. Did not grab anything to cut it. And I am stuck to my roadcaster now. So mm -hmm. <laughs> there it is. That's it. Strap in, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> See here, I'm, I'm intrigued though because the fact that it's finished in like rum port and like cabernet barrels. Okay, mm -hmm. so it's like a mix there. So I'm thinking that might take a little edge off for us. I don't know, and I feel like I'm influenced, but I, I smell a little bit of wine. Yeah, it's very fruity. Oh yeah, some cherries in there maybe. Yeah, all right. Gonna prime my palate here. Ooh, yeah, cherry, lots of cherry out of that one. First one, it's got a little burn, but not so bad. That I would expect. It's really not bad. Yeah. Did you know that dovetail is also a color of gray from Sherwin Williams? <laughs> I did not. I didn't. It's kind of close to the bottle label, so. Mm. Huh. That's interesting. I did not know that. Kind of in the sense that they're both gray. <laughs> so did you recently do some home painting? <laughs> no. I was Googling the uh, the bottle again and realized mm. that was one of the autocomplete suggestions. I'm like, huh. Paint. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love fun facts like that. Yeah, I'm getting a little like dark chocolate cherry mm. in this. Yeah, for me. Almost like those cherry cordials. I used to love those as a kid. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but like with a dark chocolate. I like it. I'm gonna. So, not sure if you've listened before, Kelly, but it's tradition around here for us to rate the whiskeys based on a tentacle scale. So, one through eight, because we're very clever. I don't know. We've started grouping them as in like, oh, we're, this is a blend whiskey or, you know, this is bourbon, rye, scotch, whatever. We've been like rating them in contrast to others of the same type. You're certainly not required to do anything of that nature or really anything else. Uh, <laughs> there are no rules, just one through eight. Kind of consider one is like, this is horrible and never have it again. And eight as in like, wow, this is amazing. I should never buy anything else. <laughs> you know, and everything in between kind of, you know, I guess four is the middle. I think this one's pretty expensive, right? Mm -hmm. Was it pretty pricey? Yeah. So given that it's pretty rare, you hang on to it to like share with special friends or special occasions or something else, probably drink it a couple times a year. So given that, I don't know why I have a problem with price points, but yeah, why does it matter for me? That's true. Do you like it or not? No, I like it a lot. I'm going to give it a seven. <laughs> I like okay. it a lot. I don't know that I would never buy anything else again i think that's probably like prohibitive to an eight but i'm like very impressed at this proof yeah yeah i think we gave the last one a seven and i'm not really thinking this is i don't know what an eight would be have we done an eight at all like <laughs> i'm afraid to do we eight. haven't yeah i'm afraid <laughs> but i'm gonna give this a 7.15 just to make it a little wow. higher because <laughs> it's basically the same it's a little smoother i think from being aged longer but the flavor profile is relatively the same yeah yeah, I mean, I think on the same lines, I'd come in at a strong seven. I don't think I can give an eight because I definitely have not encountered the one that I could never, <laughs> I could set everything else aside to only drink that into perpetuity. Yeah, right. Have not found that one yet. So if anyone's interested in sponsoring this podcast and also providing some more whiskey. <laughs> there you go. I'll come back on. Searching for the eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of you. Yes, we're searching for the eight. If anybody wants to provide the eight, we're happy to review it with our highly intuitive palates. Mm-hmm. So there's that. I have some friends who are really going to enjoy this one. Nice. Yeah, I had a 136 proof one time, and it was a uh, George Stagg Jr. And so it was a bourbon, but like it was called the hazmat bottle because it was too high a proof to go onto an airplane. <laughs> like there's a certain 
<laughs> and so, ah. and that one was painful. It was like just very painful. <laughs> That's one where I actually had to put like an ice ball in it. I just yeah, a little water wasn't even going to be enough. Mm. So this is nice. This is like pleasant. I was a little afraid. Yeah, that extra like three and a half proof or whatever is uh, get you. Is that the difference? Well, I don't know. It's it's not much. I mean, the other one was one twenty something. No, no, no. I mean, uh, okay, for the one you were talking about. Oh right, yeah. I think that, and I think that this just gets a little smoother from the finishing because that one was definitely not finished. It was just straight stag, barrel proof stag. That's how they say it, you know, in the commercials or whatever else for the bottles. It's always in an accent like this. It's just stag junior. That's <laughs> how they all talk. Yeah, I was in Kentucky recently, so I'm, I might be regressing. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't come out often. I mean, I live in Georgia, so. Yeah. Not that I'm from here, but yeah. I hear it enough in the surrounding area. <laughs> right. So it wasn't even like a thing for you at all for me to like pull into that. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. No, I thought absolutely nothing of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, before uh, this 131 whatever pulls us into uh, worst gibberish, we should maybe talk a little bit about like real stuff. Yeah. Regular things. You know, webs, webish items. Yeah. Web-like items. The web. <laughs> yes. So maybe clarify for us. Um, I'm skipping around the list here, Chuck, but uh, I was looking at your LinkedIn earlier and like you have like six things that are say they're present. <laughs> so are all of those actually still going or? So I have one full-time job and that is at Spot. I have... My consultancy, which used to be an agency, that is still definitely actively ongoing, but it's just like bits and pieces of me doing things. I'm no longer recording any podcasts, so I don't know if I ended those or not. I think I did. And then most everything else is, oh, advisors. I'm an advisor for multiple companies, but that's very a very passive thing, technically still ongoing. And then the last one is master school, which I am going to be a master of my own master school, and that will be starting in January. So... I'm going through the prep work, which I started, I think, in like June or something to actually kick things off in January. So hmm. the answer is yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure like before we got into some of the details of some of those, if they were still things or if you just hadn't updated it. No, I, I try to keep my LinkedIn updated. I'm one of those people who actually spends a weird amount of time on LinkedIn. Oh, interesting. Hanging out with all the recruiters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Putting like extra line breaks in between my sentences <laughs> to really get that whole feeling going. Nice. You want the audience to know there's a slight pause right. required here before moving on to the next <laughs> great thing that you've done. Okay. So... It's Spot AI, you're an engineering manager in charge of, I think now it's 12 people. That's correct. Direct reports across. Yes. So all just traditional engineering ma manager things at that point. No hands on keyboard necessarily, like, <laughs> you know, for other purposes. But uh, so like career direction and performance and things like that. Yeah. I have not written production code. I've never written production code for Spot. And most of my production code that I've written has been on the consultancy side of things, just from ongoing clients that I have. Otherwise, I am 100% engineering leadership all day, every day, Monday through Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so then on the agency side of things, did you sort of scale that down and then you're just kind of that's just your own brand and so you're not managing other people there? That's correct. Yeah. So I made an attempt to run two companies full time at the same time and surprise, it didn't work. <laughs> and I kind of dug myself into a pretty deep hole of 
debt with the agency because I had too many people on payroll for the number of deals that we were closing. And so unfortunately, back at the end of March, I had to let everyone go and wind that down to just be me, just so I can focus on paying that debt off, which is why I'm still consulting. Oof. <laughs> Lessons learned. Okay. So then you were at one time also running teams within your agency, right? Yes. So the agency had at any given time between 20 and 25 people globally. Hmm. Nice. So in terms of a management role, how would you say that leading teams in the agency and leading teams within a regular, like say SaaS product or whatever, like more of the company corporate side of things, like what are the differences there that you experienced? I think one of the biggest differences is, I mean, think of the structure of work at an agency. It's service-based. It's usually ad hoc. It's always changing. And you tend to work with the same people at the same time, just like in various projects as you continue on, depending on how large the agency is. You might have a project manager, hopefully, who is helping you just kind of like steer the ship and be that client communicator, I guess. On the SaaS product side, you're more focused on what it is that you're working on. So at least at Spot, that's how we have things structured. So we currently have two individual teams of five and seven engineers, and they focus on their very specific areas that they're working on, but they have the liaison of a a product manager who's really communicating with the customers to guide the product direction, where you really don't have that at the agency side of things. So that was something I definitely had to learn because the the speed at which you work at an agency versus a SaaS company is vastly different because of the way that you're working in that you're working with multiple clients directly versus having any number of customers that has kind of like gated by product keeping you from having to just like constantly push things out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. I think that like your customer in that sense at a very high level is different in that you have a direct line through a gatekeeper at a SaaS company to your users. And that sort of feedback is in that way. But in the agency side, your connection to that is probably a few levels different. And your actual customer is basically whomever is hiring you to complete a project. Exactly. And on the management side of things, the prioritization is definitely different in terms of how you're prioritizing work for your engineers. I would say on the agency side of things, working in two-week sprints was a long sprint. It was much easier to work in a one-week sprint in terms of how fast things would move and how many just like random support requests you'd get along the line. So like, oh, this is broken or, you know, when the feedback comes in, there's no real schedule to to a lot of this. On this SaaS side, you're able to really structure the way that you're managing your engineers to a, a much higher degree and really help to look at not only the next two weeks for your sprint, but the next quarter, the next you know six months, the next 12 months and plan backwards. You can't do that in, a, in an agency space unless you have some very long ongoing clients that you know exactly what's going to happen. There's a different way that you have to approach planning and prioritization in the agency space, because it's all up in the air, anything can happen. At least, you know, for the most part, when it comes to a product, you know, you're going to continue to be working and supporting that product as you continue on with the company. Yeah, yeah. And I think that predictability also highly affects another facet of like software engineering and for teams and that you 
like I had a rhythm and plans and all these things around like how to level up and guide engineers within a corporate structure. But when you're in a more unpredictable structure and also you're not sure exactly the kind of work that one of your engineers could be doing through the through the year, it's hard to really like have any metrics for improvement and career pathing and things like that. That's like one of the biggest challenges I believe I've had. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Any tips or feedback or anything around that? I think you can apply KPIs to any role. You can apply metrics to to measure success in any role. I think what's important to remember is when you're looking for metrics for growth, you need to look beyond just the quantitative metrics and really find a way to measure the qualitative metrics as well. So it goes beyond how fast are you shipping things and are you introducing bugs and you know, the quality of code, but also how complex is your work getting? Are you able to support other engineers on your team? How well are you pair programming with others? And looking for these kinds of opportunities and putting these opportunities in front of engineers who want to continue to level up is really what helps drive growth at an agency. It's like, as you said, it's, it's much easier to provide these opportunities at, at a product-based company because you know what's coming down the pipeline. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah, that we have a lot of trouble figuring this out at our own agency of like people want to have a roadmap of if I hit these things, can I get more money or more titles or whatever? And it's like we just kind of know who's doing well. So we'll we know when we, you can be promoted and stuff. And we don't have that great list of like it's hard. It's hard to nail it all down at an agency. Yeah, it is. I would say there's definitely uh, career mapping and in engineering matrix or matrices that exist Mm -hmm. in the agency space. So building that out, you can still see what does success look like at this, at this agency in particular for a junior engineer, a mid-level engineer, senior staff, whatever you have there and, and help guide based on those things. But I mean, this is part of management in general is like, sure, you've hit all of these things, but that doesn't mean that we now immediately have this opportunity to promote you. Or there's more to it than just like checking some boxes, unfortunately. And as you said, you just you just know for the most part. Yeah. 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 And like I said, it's not like we have a war chest of cash sitting on the side and you just need to check the boxes (laughs) and we'll give you that. Are you sure those boxes behind you aren't filled with cash? Uh, They're filled with whiskey, actually. That's a funny story. (laughs) I mean, I can be paid in whiskey, too. Like, I'm okay with that. Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Well, then we have a sizable budget. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Basically, we've talked about it, Sunbury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we got a barrel of whiskey and it is brand like we got custom stickers put on it. So we did a barrel pick. Yeah. So, you know, they send you some samples. You pick which one, get it all boxed up and split into bottles, put a sticker on there. And it's for this podcast. So... We can't sell it, but thus far we've been like sending it out to like clients and friends and whatever. So are you saying you want to be friends? <laughs> I would love to be friends. We could probably make something. I've never had friends before. <laughs> <laughs> we could probably make something happen. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let's see here. Okay. You ask a question, Robbie. I asked. Oh, where were we at? Let's see. <sighs> so when you jump around and we keep drinking, that yeah. doesn't work. With the, the teams that you're managing... I think it had said they were globally distributed. How how globally is it? Like, do you have a lot of challenges with time zones and keeping in sync with things? Oh, yes. My <laughs> team span from California to India. Ooh. So I'm in Atlanta. So I am 
GMT minus four. Mm-hmm. So three hours back and 10 and a half hours ahead. Right. Is it a challenge? Absolutely. When it comes to like scrum and you're wanting to do daily standups, it's not going to happen. Yep. Like you just have to accept that this is not a structure that's going to work and you need to, you know, make do with what you can. So our engineer in, in India will have to work some late hours and he was doing this before I joined. So I don't really have a solution to that until we can hire more in like in Europe and split into two teams so we can have more geographically distributed teams as opposed to engineers mm-hmm. and and help structure that a little bit more. But yeah, you know, I, I wake up and my first three hours are just like focus time. I can <laughs> do what I need to do. They, we do not have very many team members who are actually based on the East Coast, a vast majority are on the West Coast. So once 11 a.m. hits, like... I am done being productive and well, <laughs> in the focus time way until like 6 p.m. Because then it's just literally meetings from there on out. Right. Yeah. Don't over glamorize, you know, management. OK, <laughs> like tell people about all the meetings then they're going to start applying for all these positions. It'll be just too much. You get to talk to people all day long. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then you get to come on and record podcasts and talk for longer. And then, yeah, exactly. You know, talk to your boss afterwards. And it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I've had similar experiences and tried a lot of different models. And it's like, yeah, there is, really is no like one size fits all. You'll have some teams where like an asynchronous model works really great, and people are just updating, and you can expect like, oh, I have my all all the updates by this certain time, and everybody's participating, and they're happy with that, and they're still productive. And you have it like, oh, well, we have a team where there's like a couple of people who just refuse to do this thing, and so now we need to maybe shift the model. And yeah, it's an interesting. So I mentioned I have two teams reporting to me. The second team is new to me. I recently took over managing this team last week. And the two teams could not be more different in terms of personality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what I'm doing to manage team A is not going to be what I need to do to manage team B. And so finding out those differences and finding out the personality kind of like quirks and working around that is really what I've been focusing on as of late. So I can get caught up to speed and make sure that they they get what they need and the structure that they need it as opposed to just trying to fit my methodology of engineering management into what they need because it's not. Yeah, that's reasonable. Okay, favorite leadership book? (laughs) First 90 Days. Nice. That's a good one. Easy. I rave about that book. And you know, the sad thing is I have not finished it yet. (laughs) And I've gotten so many people to buy that book. I've bought it for other people and I myself have not finished the book yet. And I just started my first 90 day cycle over again last week. So here's my chance (laughs) to finish it this time. Exactly. But yeah. You got to know what to do in the last 30 days. What are you going to (laughs) do? Exactly. Right now I'm just kind of flailing. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. Most of these books back here are... It's the perfect mix of business and romance. <laughs> so it's a very confusing bookshelf for most people. That's like Robbie's too. That's so weird. You guys could talk about favorite. No, I mean, it, it, it really is. We're going to do a podcast on Akatar. My wife has a ton of, uh, she does like book of the month club. And so we have a ton mm-hmm. of, yeah, like various romance and like thrillers and like a whole bunch of like stuff. And I have like five books total on like we have this very full bookshelf i have a few like about parenting that i still haven't read and then i have like <laughs> <laughs> now it doesn't matter like a couple of pleasure <laughs> books and yeah i haven't read any of them really i still have the time hmm. <laughs> my husband's bookshelf is all 
business books and he's kind of taken most of the business books and put them on his because it looks nice, just all lined up. Mm -hmm. And then what I call financial thrillers. Thrillers. Just like real life stories of like barbarians at the gate, Mm. like the fall of Enron Mm. and like so many fascinating stories. Like the, the big short, that kind of thing. Michael Lewis. Yeah, all of his books are over there if they're financial related. Any of the non-financial Michael Lewis books are behind me. Like <laughs> nice. The Premonition, really, really good book. Interesting. I'm a big fan of Michael Lewis. Oh, I remember reading for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I barely get to read for business purposes, so. Yeah, clients just want things. Yeah, well, there was a little of that too. <laughs> yeah. Overbooking yourself, two kids, all that kind of fun stuff. Yep. I definitely read over 100 books this year. Nice. Wow. I am impressed. The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, have you read that? Comes in comic form too. No, I'm currently reading the Spanish Love Deception. Okay. Just think, you know, same kind of topic, right? Yeah, basically. For all our <laughs> listeners, that will also help you. So just exactly. buy it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm currently at 118. Wow. That's solid. This is... I'm currently at two. Yeah. Okay. Hey, it's more than one. Yeah. I'm at zero. <laughs> I'm trying to scale back up. Okay, can't help you. <laughs> I at least own the books, you know? They're like staring at me going like, why have you ignored me? And I'm like, yeah, I will uh, tomorrow. Yeah, I'll get, get to that tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Once our website's done, which will be never, I'll start reading. Mm. <laughs> There's a rule and the website cannot be done because then what do you do? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Robbie just keeps trying it in, in various technologies. Yeah, different frameworks. So we're like trying to do it in Astro. Ooh, fun. Yeah, it's fun to try to ship no JavaScript. It's a fun game. Yeah, I rebuilt. So we we took over a year to rebuild our taproom site, which was up for like three weeks before I had to Mm. wind things down, which anecdotally now I'm like, don't relaunch your own agency site. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I relaunched it at the end of March and... Some people will immediately recognize what I used to build it because I spent approximately five minutes on it, just updating some colors. It is very, like, I haven't even renamed the Hello World component from Vue. (laughs) 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 Nice. That's funny. Well, you know, hey, it seems to still be working out okay for you. Yeah, it's going just fine. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still getting leads from that. That's awesome. Is it so just in Vue or is it Nuxt? It is in Nuxt. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Our current one is in Nuxt. I have two pages on it. One is the homepage and one is a very secret project application page. And that is it. Ooh. So now we all have to go try to find that (laughs) secret one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We'll see what Google's found. It's definitely not like slash new project application or anything like that. Like that would be far too easy. Yeah. No, that's funny. That's pretty good. All right, so you are a fan of the Porsche brand. I am. Yeah, we really got to get to this. You're leaving a lot of time for this, Chuck, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, you know, we'll see. Yes, so I'm trying to remember now. You got a Cayman? Yeah, I have a 2021 Cayman S. Nice. So you do order a new one then? No. (laughs) I have a Taycan on order. Mm. I'm still waiting on the allocation for it. We... My husband turned me into a car person and he <laughs> loves to say that this this is one of his biggest achievements in life is turning his wife into a Porsche girl because yeah. he became a Porsche fan by playing like the Need for Speed Porsche game when he was a kid. Um. And it's just grown from there. So 
We did the Porsche subscription app for a little while. So we subscribed mm-hmm. to a Boxster and then we had a 911 GTS, which was a lot of fun. Oof, yeah. But a little while beyond my, beyond my budget. <laughs> and so I put in the deposit for the Taycan, knowing that currently it's looking at like December, January for a delivery date. So not bad. Oh, okay. We do a lot of road trips and we're both work remotely. So we're like, let's get a car that we're going to enjoy traveling in. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a Taycan. It's comfortable, but I don't want to deal with the the EV piece of that. So we're like, mm. well, we the Cayman would be a good option. So I we ended up finding one at our local dealership that was CPO. So we ended up buying that. And my husband still has a 911 on order. Oh, my. But it is a two-year wait for that. Whoa, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So we might end up eventually trading in the Cayman for the 911 because he also has, oh my God, what is it called? He's going to yell at me for not remembering what it's called. Lotus Amira on order. Mm. Oh, I see. Okay. Very interesting. Well, there's like, yes. he's putting a few options out there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, his daily driver is a, a Miata. Oh, so he loves the the little guy oh, manual transmission. Okay. Yeah. Which it's so hard to find a, like a Porsche right now with a manual transmission. So ours is oh, PDK, yeah. but PDK drives great anyway. Yeah. It's technically faster, but yeah. Especially with the, the, speed at which I shift gears <laughs> is faster. Yeah. But the 911 will be a manual and the Amira will be a manual as well. So yeah, yeah that's our current and future car <laughs> collection for the moment. Yeah. We've gotten to the point where we need to, we have until December to pour another driveway spot so we can house three vehicles <laughs> and not put one. <laughs> Very nice. In the driveway of locking things. You're speaking to a Taycan uh, Cross Turismo owner. I got mine delivered. Oh, nice choice. Yeah, mine was delivered last November. It's, uh, oh, now I can't remember the name of the blue. It's like the... The really bright one? Yeah, it's kind of bright, but it depends on what lighting you're in. And then it's like the whole hot hatch kind of style. Yeah. So, yeah, I went through about 15 different configurations. No gold rims, though. Before finally landing on that color. No, no gold rims. I was going to do kind of like the... He tried to do it. The cherry metallic <laughs> with the gold rims. Oh, nice. Yeah, but my wife was like, you seem like a Fast and the Furious child with this car. <laughs> like, I don't think you should do that. I... Really like the forest green. Mm-hmm. Currently, I have the Carrera white metallic on mine. Yep. Just because I, you know, got the base model and somehow still ended up with $115,000 in <laughs> options. Not in options, total. But I'm really, really drawn towards some of these other colors that I'm just like, eh, you know, I have time. You know? So tough. Yeah. What's some yeah. more consulting work? I can just put some more money down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Slippery slope. So- <laughs> Oh, it always is slippery slope. Yeah, this is my seventh Porsche. Oh, really? Whoa. Yeah, but my first one was in like 2002 or 2001 or something. It was a pretty long time ago. It was a 68 912, and I had no money, but they were very cheap then. And so I was just like working on it myself. Okay. And uh, fixing that. I had a 74 914, had like a Boxster and a couple of 911s. And then finally was like, went to this electric. I don't know. It's pretty fun. You like it? Oh, love it. Yeah. Just the torque. Once you get that torque and you can do like launch mode off the line with the EV versus like a regular one. And then you go back to a normal like combustion car and you're like, 
why won't you go? Yet? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of. Okay. Yeah. And I drove it to LA to go to the experience center and that wasn't bad. Like there was a decent amount of like charging points stopped twice. Yeah. Probably added an hour to my overall drive time, but it was good. I don't know how the LA Experience Center compares to the Atlanta Experience Center, but I did a PC ATL last month mm-hmm. in a Cayman S because I was like, well, might as well just match what I currently drive. So much fun. Yeah. I love it. Does it have the Nuremberg ring? Like where it has like just the the main curve from Nuremberg where it's like a 30 something degree angle turn? No, I don't think so. There's this massive straightaway and then you go on this like crazy angled turn and that to me was like one of the big things for the la one i know they have like the the like you go into the wet pad and then it jerks your rear tires one way or the Uh, other that's so much fun yeah those are pretty fun i think most things are the same yeah i know at the atlanta location they're basically doubling the the space they're actively building it out right now so perhaps they're they're bringing in a lot of like a lot of historical kind of race pieces like components into this one mm. so perhaps they'll be introducing it and of course i was not able to do the off-road one because i was not in a cayenne and i would not really want to take a little cayman no no you know, to go at this <laughs> so because mine was like a delivery experience so like i went with oh, a friend nice. and then we each got like some drive time and while i was my friend was driving they took me in the cayenne like i didn't drive it but they did like the crazy huge climbs and then the down and like all the weird stuff they do like that car is so highly capable actually i forgot that's one of the cars i had i had a cayenne for a little bit so it was funny because i had a 911 and my friend wanted to buy it and i was like okay so that's when i ordered the tycon but i had time in between so i just bought a cayenne and drove that (laughs) around until they delivered the other one so i mean especially since all you could really get for a little while was a cayenne or a macan because that was all that was in stock. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. I won't do the delivery experience for mine because it apparently adds months to your delivery time. It could, yeah. And that they do two deliveries a day. Mm-hmm. So I will not get to sign the board inside, but I, it's okay. <laughs> I live in Atlanta. Yeah. I want to do like the, like the Stuttgart delivery experience personally, but then they have to ship it back over. So. Right. Right. It's a very interesting setup. Yeah. And then you. Then it goes on a boat and we know how that can go. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, take a little risk there. I don't know. Yeah. No, thank you. Robbie can't speak to any of this. Yeah. He drives old trucks. Porsches are fine, but I don't have one. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> we have a Tesla and a uh, 1965 Scout 800. So they even out to be two normal gas cars. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. I think you have like a like a a twenty twelve Camry somewhere in the middle yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, so that's perfect. That's about where it lands. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> modern emissions and uh, twenty miles per gallon. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The Scout just like it doesn't have catalytic converters, so it just shoots gas and stuff out the back. Like <laughs> it's not environmentally friendly. Right. Right. Which is an interesting thing because, like, they're absolved of emissions. But then there's all these companies coming out trying to, like, convert old cars to EVs. Mm-hmm. Coming out with, like, crate motors and all this stuff. So I'm on board. Yeah. It's very interesting stuff. Yeah. In the electric space. Yeah. It just needs to be cheaper. Yeah. Isn't that kind of the case across the board? It just needs to be cheaper. Yeah. With everything in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything these last couple of years is, like, doubled in price. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I wonder we didn't leave the house. <laughs> yeah. 
I am excited for the eventual 9-11 and 718 EVs to come out, though, because that will be a very good experience. That's what I originally was going to hold out for, mm. but I am far too impatient. So I have, before I bought the Cayman, I drove uh, Mazda 3. I had a Mazda 3, and then I switched to a Mazda 3 hatch, which honestly was a mistake. Mm. It's basically the same. It was much less fun than the sedan. Mm. And like the little Mazda 3 is kind of like a little fun affordable driver's car. The hatch, you lost a lot of the joy. And I was like, okay, I feel like I'm just getting from point A to point B. And now that I have the Cayman again, I'm just like, <laughs> I enjoy driving again. This is so fun. Especially after doing the Porsche experience with the Cayman, I'm like, I know exactly what this car can handle. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just not going to get pulled over. <laughs> now, yeah, I was going to say, now you can like hit up some back roads through Georgia and go on some rallies or something. Are you a member of the PCA? I am, yes. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, because they do drives and stuff, and so that's fun. They do, yeah. This past weekend was RenFest, but we joined a little too late to do that. We've done one one evening out with them, but and then we did a, a concourse at our local dealership as well. But my husband's considering getting into autocross, oh. which they do regular autocross events as well. And there's a drive to Barber Motorsports Park and doing a few laps around there, too, because they have a different Porsche experience, I believe. So, yeah, plenty of fun events. Like I've been telling my friends who have Porsches, which, you know, it's not that many people. <laughs> it's like you got to join PCA because please join us and be a uh, help us bring down the average age a little bit oh um, yes there it is that's what i was gonna say i was kind of gonna allude to that is that well it's funny because i was a member when i lived in dc and it was a very diverse group and now that i'm in arizona mm. yeah most of the members are quite a bit older than me and i'm not young so <laughs> like hey yeah of. it highly depends on the type of event as well like there are a lot more younger people mm -hmm. who, who do like the autocross events or like the drives or the rallies that they do up to so we have like the north georgia mountains have some really nice driving roads up there and so like they recently did one that goes through some of the nice driving roads and ends at a winery up there and i was out of town unfortunately so i couldn't join but like definite age difference for something like that versus like the dinners on a yeah. tuesday evening <laughs> right right and they cruise in yeah we're also part of our local mazda club as well or miata club in particular. And so that's actually a very diverse age group, which is pretty fun. Yeah. So we've done a few different drives with them as well. And like some weird, like poker games that are like drive to various events and get a card. And at the end, whoever has the best hand mm. gets prized or something like that. It's pretty fun. Yeah. That's an old motorcycle thing, a poker run. But you're also supposed yeah. to chug a beer at each place. So you go to different ones <laughs> while you're driving. <laughs> yeah. So we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a good idea on motorcycles in particular, but that is an old motorcycle mm. thing. It's called a poker huh. run. Yeah, fun fact. That's fun. Now I wonder, when does your husband trade in the Miata for an air-cooled Porsche? When does he go that direction? So he is currently trying to figure out if he's going to trade in the Miata for the Mira. Mm. That's his big question because we kind of, like, we don't have room for three cars. We definitely don't have room for four cars. Um, <laughs> you've seen those lifts, right? People do in their garages, get the lift and then. Yeah, I've seen one of those where uh, an ex my friend dated, um, his dad had to lower his Aston Martin from the lift so we can take it for a drive. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to put a Miata up there. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> 
That's fair. I feel like I'm not the target audience for this yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. You get a lotus, then you're like, maybe I put the lotus up there. Yeah. That, yes. And honestly, the lotus is more affordable than the 911. It's true. It's smaller body than the Avora. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a fun little car to drive as soon as we can, you know, eventually see one in person since supply chain issues have caused delays on that side too. Yeah. I've uh, been on the Rivian list for a couple of years. Oh, nice. It was our intention to get that to replace my wife's SUV. And uh, I basically had to threaten them to let us drive one of the trucks in the very least. Like we can't keep waiting forever. Keep pushing back my dates. My wife is just going to flip out and buy something else. Can we just drive it? Yeah. I'm going to say it was worth it. Though. Okay. <laughs> the zero to 60 in that thing is incredible. It seems like some gaudy kind of like Yukon size vehicles. So you're like, I don't know, you know, and you step up into it and it's, you know, it's nice on the inside, but then it goes. And I was like, okay. Oh. Yeah. And this feels stable too. Get it. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I'm seeing more and more of them on the road now. You know, yeah. my former co founder is out in California, in Southern California. And so whenever I'd go out to visit her, it's like, I'm seeing them everywhere. I'm like, I don't think they've made that many of them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird that I'm seeing them every single time I go out, but. California. So, okay. Yeah. But I'm starting to see them more in Atlanta as well. But I think they're building a new production plant here in Georgia. Mm. Oh, I did hear that they were scaling up production size, but I didn't know that means they were going outside of Illinois. So I think so. That's cool. Yeah. That might make sense to like get distribution a lot easier too, because they have a lot of orders. I mean, they're being flipped on like auction sites now for almost double the price. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, here we go. Rivian Decite's second manufacturing plant in Georgia. Hmm, there you go. Just east of Atlanta. I mean, I've always heard that welcome to Atlanta where the players play. So. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Atlanta. We're full. <laughs> We're full. Get out. <laughs> the other version. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, nah, it's good. I love living here. My favorite thing is when people from out of state come to visit for the first time and they leave the airport and I pick them up and I drive them into like Midtown and they're like, there are so many trees. I thought I was going to see cornfields. I'm like, it's a city. What? Yeah. Sure. We're not in South Georgia. We're not in farmland. I'm sorry. Have you heard of Coca-Cola? Have you heard of? <laughs> no. What is it? Delta Airlines. <laughs> Massive corporate entities that have been there for a long time. So many corporations are headquartered here in Atlanta. Yeah. Portion North American headquarters. Yes, yes. Really fun location. <laughs> I remember years ago, just because it was like, oh, here I am in my career. It would be a dream to work for Porsche. That's like a brand I'd love to work for. And I looked into it and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just getting older and I don't want to start over anymore. You know, I've done the Phoenix thing. I grew up in like the Cincinnati area, did the DC thing. And like, I don't know. I've got a fourth city in me. That's fair. But otherwise it would have been awesome. I will say, I don't want to ruin his Porsche sponsorship for this podcast. Never mind. <laughs> I don't think that would happen. So uh, go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I think it's safe. I've heard it's after talking to my, my coach who was in the, the passenger seat with me. Most people do not enjoy working on the corporate side, at least the North American headquarters. Based on what I, like, there was, you know, again, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I saw, like, an engineering manager position at Porsche. I'm like, oh, my God, that'd be so cool. I want to do that. And then I look more into it. I'm like, I'm not going to cut my salary in half just to stay at work at Porsche and then drive down to the airport every day because they don't do remote work. Mm. That's the thing is a lot of companies, they're not tech companies. They just have tech bolted on. Yep. We have clients. Like, we do a lot of enterprise clients. 
and with those staff og within the org and trying to like help them with architectural things and beef up speed of velocity stuff like that and you see that like it's interesting that a company that is making so much money and they're not necessarily willing to increase like average salary for top talent in engineering they don't see the value they're not finding it but they are willing to bring in consultants at a decent price yep in order to fix those problems so it's just it's almost like what <laughs> yeah you know you're missing something here right you could actually probably solve this yourself i feel like i have a solution here yeah but don't worry they will sell you a 78 dollars shirt so <laughs> yeah well you know what don't worry i have negotiated in the last three car purchases that i made a free shirt <laughs> same <laughs> you buy a porsche and i'm like i know i can't mess with the price yeah so can i at least have a shirt and he's like yeah we'll get you a shirt yeah, I did the same thing. And I was like, look, I know you're giving me a hat and like some keychains and like, that's awesome. But can I have a shirt? Yeah. And what shirt did you get? Did you get a Cayman shirt? No, I got the the sport shirt, like the sport, like athletic oh, yeah. fit shirt, which is awesome for the working out that I don't do outside. <laughs> okay, fair. I'm more of a indoor Peloton person. So yeah, that's fair. Different apparel. I think we've all become that mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Yeah. So you know, I got the indoor. Outside is hard. So wait a minute, though. Weren't you doing a cycling challenge? I am. Yes. So it is. That's outside, right? No, it's inside. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, here we go. You can do it inside or outside. Nice. So, yeah, it's 300 miles on a bike in the month of September, whether it's outdoors or indoors Mm. and raising money for childhood cancer research. This is my third year doing it. Last year was a total fluke. I'm starting to realize and now I raised just under seven thousand dollars. And I had a notification pop up on, you know, Facebook memories of like last year's. And it was like, September 5th, I've raised $5,000. I'm like, cool. I've raised $100 this year. Awesome. (laughs) Sounds like a Movember for me. Yeah. You'll have an opportunity. Well, we can send you a bunch of whiskey instead. Yes. Can you sell that and then? (laughs) Yeah. And then donate it to charity? I don't know. Well, we can send you whiskey, first of all. Second of all, you'll have an opportunity to uh, pitch that out. And so, maybe, you know, maybe of the million minus, uh, I don't know, 998,000 people who listen to this, give or take, who listen to this will help and partake. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, again, it's for childhood cancer research. Like, it's it's for a very good cause. I'm thankful to have been able to raise as much as I did last year and anything helps. So yeah. I'm going to keep crushing it on the Peloton while people send donations. I will evangelize for you and say, listen, if you donated to Kelly before or you didn't donate to Kelly before, how terrible of a person are you that you don't want to save kids from cancer? Yeah. You don't like children? Like old people? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> kids don't deserve cancer. Old people? Who cares? Let's get direct to the more needy source. Old people know what's coming. <laughs> yeah, you're going one way or the other. It happens to be cancer. I'm going to drink now. Oh, that took a turn. See, if you had been drinking this entire time, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's take a turn and uh, talk about football. Yes. Oh, not proper football. Yeah, Chuck doesn't know anything about real football. He likes football with a U, football. I like football that they use their feet, nope. not egg ball game. No. With a handball, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it is an odd name. <laughs> That was probably a bad choice. But uh, yeah, I saw that you are or went to Georgia and are a Georgia fan. I am. Yes. So I am. My my fandom lies in two places. One is Georgia because 
I have three degrees from UGA and I also gave them a lot of money. So I feel <laughs> obligated to be a fan. <laughs> the other one is Michigan because I grew up. Hmm. My grandparents worked for U of M for a very long time. And I grew up like my earliest memories were tailgating for Michigan games. So like I've always been around that. So if you were to ask about last year's playoffs, it was a pretty difficult game on New Year's Eve when Michigan played Georgia. <laughs> Apparently, I don't care who wins at this point because my team wins either way as a cop out and that I have to make a decision. Yeah, I mean, if you don't make a decision, then how do you know you're on the right side? <laughs> I'm always on the right side. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a very big Georgia fan and I'm excited about our season this year. And we had a lot of people drafted mm-hmm. in this year's draft. So I don't want to say I'm not expecting a, a repeat, but I don't want to wish that upon anybody. Yeah. But I'm going to enjoy the season nonetheless, as long as we can get Ohio State out in some form. Amen. I'm happy. <laughs> if we can all agree that Ohio State. I think we can all agree that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I went to the University of Cincinnati. I mean, not that it's like a major player. In the space, my wife's family all went to Michigan State. So I don't know how I feel about your... It's like Georgia, Georgia Tech, you know, like... Yeah. You can say there's a rivalry, but... It's not that serious. Yeah. You're going to be paid more than me anyway, so who cares? (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) My cousin went to law school at at Michigan State, so... I think there the law school is like a separate part of Michigan State that's not actually considered... I got the whole the whole story of why it's okay before huh. because everyone in my family is a Michigan fan. Mm. So okay, fair. And they they rationalized it. I think Cincinnati plays Kennesaw State though. I know you don't pay attention at all, Mm-mm. but my husband went to Kennesaw State, mm. and he's well, he's now at Georgia for his MBA. But Kennesaw State actually has a good football team for being in the division they're in. Mm. So that's kind of fun. Interesting. I usually watched basketball. When I went there, our football team was horrible, like beyond horrible. They're good now. And our basketball team was really good, actually. And then it completely changed in that time. So in that hundred <laughs> years since I was there, it completely changed. hundred years. I tweeted the other day that I saw something about the season tickets for students being handed out and delivered. And as always, a bunch of seniors did not get the season ticket packages when a bunch of freshmen and sophomores did. Mm. And I was like, cool, this has not changed in the 10 years since I was an undergrad. And I was like, shit, I graduated from undergrad 10 years ago. <laughs> and then I fell into my chair and my back hurt. So we're good. Yeah. They're still using the same math.random to figure out who gets the, <laughs> the tickets. <laughs> Whose parents gives us the most money? Yeah, that too, that too. Exactly, yeah. My $250 a quarter probably isn't making much of a difference, but, you know. You keep trying. Feel a little obligated. Wait, I, I find this to be a funny thing about, like, yeah, when, like, alumni societies are reaching out to you and be like, help, come, you know, donate to the university. I was like, I did? It's called tuition. It's called tuition. I went from straight from undergrad to grad school. So like mm. summer off and then immediately started grad school. That October, they started calling me for donations. I'm like, do you want to, me to send you like my tuition bill for grad school? Because I'm already giving you plenty of money. Exactly. It's sort of like, and your sports program is generating a lot of cash. Are you mismanaging uh-huh. it? Mm-hmm. So I don't think you need 
And at that time, you were not allowing your football players to be paid either. Mm -hmm. They still were. And you're getting money from their likeness. (laughs) I mean, they still were. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the Alumni Society needed cash so they could funnel it to their recruitment process. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But now I I do give quarterly to the university, but specifically to the scholarship fund Hmm. because I had to take out a lot in loans just to afford to go to UGA. And if I can help in any small way towards somebody's ability to go to Georgia, then have at it. Yeah. I can work it into my budget at this point in my life. Well, hopefully you get a tax benefit on that too. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've already got my, uh, my 2022 tax file started with my <laughs> receipts from Georgia. Nice. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona is like that. I don't know if there's any sort of similarity, but it's essentially like you can pay your tax to Arizona or you can. There's all these like approved charitable organizations and schools and all this stuff up to a certain cap that's pretty substantial. So you mostly can like divert almost all your state tax right to wherever you want it to go. Yeah. Interesting. I'm diverting my state tax right into my bank account (laughs) in terms of my refund. So fun story. When you implode your agency so hard, you get a beautiful tax return. (laughs) So there's a plus. (laughs) It's paying off my line of credit. We're going to work on our implosion strategy in 2022. There you go. Thankfully, it's going to pay off the line of credit. So that is a plus. I had a feeling I'd get a nice return because I knew how much I paid into estimated taxes. Mm -hmm. But the intention of like, I was doubling revenue year over year over year. And it was a lot. Plus I rolled over my 2021 return into 22 as an estimated tax. Mm. So I didn't have to make an additional payment. And when I was on the phone with my, my accountant and she told me how much my refund is going to (laughs) be, I literally just started crying. (laughs) I was like, you have no idea how much I need this right now. And as soon as it hits my bank account, it's going to immediately disappear, of course. But Hey, it's a huge weight off my shoulders. So I was going to say the burden removed is very valuable. Exactly. So all this to say, pay your estimated taxes. I often don't. Just in case. I put it off until like the last quarter and then owe a lot of money. Or we'll double up and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll send you a celebratory bottle of... Sagamore Rye, sponsored by Whiskey Web and whatnot. We're sponsoring them. (laughs) (laughs) We did. We paid for it. Well, that's true. That's true. Turns out they didn't give it to us for free. (laughs) Shocking. (laughs) Maybe We tried and they were like, who are you? A podcast? Yeah. Okay. No. No. They hadn't heard of us. It was weird. Tentacles? (laughs) No. No. We don't take that as a viable form of review. So I do have to comment on the fact that you have post-it notes on the side of your screen. I currently have post-it notes. You can see these? Yeah. All I can see is like, because of the three of us, it's like this, uh, maybe I'm in my window wider or something else. You don't want to comment on my basement with the slop sink behind me? Mm. <laughs> I'm extremely into that as well. I was going to comment on the post-it notes because I am currently working through a reorg exercise for Spot to figure out a better allocation of team or like engineers as soon as we are you know, we'll be doubling our engineering team before we know it. And so I have post-it notes of every single person's name currently just like on my closet door. Nice. Yes. And there's one person who keeps on falling off my closet door. And mm. I'm like, I already replaced the post-it note and it's still falling off. And I'm starting to see this as a sign. <laughs> he said he's a free spirit and doesn't belong on any team. So <laughs> maybe that's why. And that's what it means. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> Interesting. I accept it. Yeah. You're like, okay, fine. You're a floater. Enjoy. <laughs> no more direction. It's all good. Yeah. All right. We're about at time here. Is there anything we missed or stuff you'd like to plug before we end? Mm, I'm out of plugs at this point. <laughs> It used to be like, listen to my podcast, but... Listen to archives of your podcast. Yeah. I mean, it, ex- it exists. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, super follow me on Twitter because that super follow is now paying for the continuation of the Ladybug podcast because it's now being paid for by me now that I wound down that company entity. And now I'm down to <laughs> two entities. It's a great time. Sign up for your class. Yeah, yeah. That too. You know, coming in January. Sign up. Sign up for master school. Exactly. Yes. My Twitter is KVLLY. It's the link that's in my Twitter bio. So sign up for master school if you want to learn how to code. It'll be a lot of fun. People I know personally have signed up for it, which is really, really fun. Like people I know from outside of the tech world space who are like, I'm interested in learning how to code. I'm like, I have the resource for you. (laughs) Nice. I love it. I love it. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.